you're in the studio audience in early October 1999, you might be able to hear yourself on this edition of Riders Radio Theater. Perry, I'm, I'm reading anomaly on the Pilcher Ice Shelf in Antarctica. Something big's going on down there. We've got a video station down there at Shackleton Hall. Let me pull in a visual from the satellite and run it through the computer enhancer. It might even be able to give us an audio. Yes. Yes, here it comes. We do have audio. Boy, what's that sound? It seems to be coming from that huge line running down the ice shelf. That's a crack. That thing breaks off. It'll be ten times bigger than the biggest iceberg ever known to man. Riders in the Sky, Too Slim, Ranger Doug, Woody Paul, and Joey, the Cow Polka King. Time to do a song we garnered from the songbook of the Sons of the Pioneers, 160 Acres. A one, a two, you know what to do with
the dawn, up the dawn to greet the sun. I've forgotten what a care or worry means. I head for home, head for home when day is done. With my pocket money jingling in my jeans. I got 160 acres full of sunshine. I got 160 million stars above. I got an old bay horse on the guy who's boss on 160 acres, one fourth of 640. Finally, boys, our own little piece of the promised land. At last, room to yodel. Boys are going to make a bigger manure spreader. 160 acres that I love. Riders Radio Theater is now proud to introduce a new sponsor, Casino Del Tonto. Yes, Casino Del Tonto, the finest in family recreation and adult gaming, located just outside of Milledgeville near the Big Rock. Casino del Tonto, thrilling rides, a six-foot waterfall, lush palm trees in big pots, and a colorful stuff ready to please. Good morning, sir. Welcome to Casino del Tonto. Will you be checking in with us today? Casino del Tonto, gaming 24 hours a day, video slots, video poker, table games as far as the city limits, and you'll be greeted at the door by the Lone Ranger himself. Would you like valet parking? I'll bring your bags to your room. Thank you, sir, but no tipping allowed at Casino del Tonto. Casino del Tonto, just side of, outside of Milledgeville near the Big Rock. And remember the words of our founder. Now, Kimo Sabe, work for me. <laughs> and now back to Riders Radio Theater. And here's the king of the cowboy fiddlers. What? Going to debut my mandolin tonight, boy. Hot dog. Here's a little tune we call Hopscotch. This has been a very, very special year for us because just a couple of weeks ago, we finally crossed a major barrier. We appeared in our, made our 4,000th appearance. Yes, A4K. I know. Took us not quite 22 years to get there, and that caused us to put together some astonishing statistics. Yes. We thought you might like to hear. As best we could, we compiled this numerical portrait of our career, keeping in mind what Mark Twain said. There are lies, damned lies, and statistics. Appearances, 4,010, which is an appearance every other day for 22 years. Miles traveled, 2,310,000. States performed in 49, lacking only Hawaii. Counties, 655. Countries, 9. Gallons of fossil fuel, 187,000. Oil changes, 880. Quarts of oil, 5,720. Vehicles driven into the ground, 7. Engines, which gave the last full measure, 12. Ships driven.
driven per rider, 2,137. Gallons of coffee for the driver, 2,493. Windshields cracked, every one. Hours on stage, 6,005. Total yucks, 204,010. Yucks per appearance, 51. Total yodels, 33,200. Yodels per appearance, 8.3. Wives, 10. Kids per wife, 1.9. Total kids, 19. Managers, 9. Television appearances, 257. Grand Ole Opry appearances, 589. Elective surgeries, 6. Times people have asked, where's Woody? 36,400. Times too slim has been left behind, 6. I'm not bitter. Times Woody has walked on stage with his fly unzipped, 61. Albums recorded, including repackaged product, 26. Award-winning albums, 3. Unjustly overlooked albums, 23. Times we've said it's the cowboy way, 15,601, and we still mean it. Total hats, 38. Electric campfires, 1. Appearances missed, 2. Thanks to a grounded seaplane in Alaska and a frozen diesel line in Wisconsin. Drunken women forcibly ejected from bus. One. Times stiffed by promoter. Two. I know what you're saying, enough. If we could ever make a decision, we could have had this over in two years. Onward! Riders Radio Theater is a Mammoth Radio Pictures production in association with WBXU. This program is being taped live at the Emory Theater in the Queen City of the West, Cincinnati, Ohio. And this is Theater of the Mind of the X-Star Radio Network. Riders Radio Theater is made possible by Tumbleweed Southwest Mesquite Grill and Bar with restaurants in Cincinnati, Columbus, and Northern Kentucky. Tumbleweed offers a full lunch and dinner menu, including a variety of mesquite-grilled steaks, ribs, chops, and Tex-Mex specialties. Tumbleweed Southwest Mesquite Grill and Bar, open every day at 11. You're listening to Writer's Radio Theater. And now Writer's Radio Theater presents the ongoing saga of the Cowboy Way. Tonight, part one of the exciting Western melodrama, Titanic II, the sequel, in this episode entitled Ship of Dreams. On April 14, 1912, at 11.40 p.m., the largest movable man-made object the world had ever known, the unsinkable Titanic, scraped her starboard bow against an iceberg in the frigid North Atlantic, and the unsinkable did the unthinkable. She sank. Eighty-eight years later, she's back bigger and better than ever. 
Southampton, England, April 10th, year 2000. The newly built and christened Titanic II prepares to set sail on her maiden voyage. The mighty ship's gleaming white superstructure towers like a mountain over the Southampton docks. Aboard ship, you can still smell fresh paint. The china has never been used. The sheets have never been slept in. The captain has never been deceived. Sir? Uh, captain Drywall, uh, welcome aboard. I was... Uh, sir, I are, sir, Mr. Uh, Ismay. I was uh, just looking over your record. Uh, last in your class at the Nevada Naval Institute. Isn't Nevada landlocked? Yes, sir, it is. That would explain why you've never been to sea. I are, sir. Well, Captain, I must tell you, your record is most unimpressive. Yes, sir. But you're the only captain available, and frankly, this ship is so well-designed and computerized that even an idiot could captain it. Well, I'm your man, sir. Yes. Well, the crew does all the work. All you have to do the entire voyage is give two orders. Um, if a man might ask, well, what would those two orders be, sir? Well, first, when your first officer, Mr. Murdoch, informs you that the tugs have taken you to the open sea, you give the command, All ahead, full! All ahead, full! There's a good fellow. That's the only order you ever have to give while the ship is at sea. I want to set a new speed record. I'll do her, sir. And second, when Mr. Murdoch tells you that the Statue of Liberty is in sight, you give the order, Prepare for docking! Prepare for docking. That's all there is to it. The ship's computerized global positioning system will do the rest. Well, Art, then let's let's bond voyage. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Well, you got to admit it sounds easy enough. Meanwhile, on the dock, excited passengers continue to board the ship of dreams, including a wealthy Cincinnati manufacturer and his beautiful fiancée. I swear, Rose, I pulled every string to get us booked on this grand ship. You act like you're going to your execution. That's because I feel so empty. I hunger for something more. Fine. Just as soon as we get aboard, I'll see to it that you get something to eat, sweet pea. Not far away in a smoky dockside pub, a tense game of five-card draw is going down. In the center of the table, sitting atop the money, is a third-class ticket on the Ship of Dreams. It's down to two players. A doer pin named Darvid and a weasened old geezer and a turned-up hat and a greasy apron. Oh, oh, it's the moment of truth, Darvid. Somebody's life is about to change. Oh, what you got? Oh, well, then I got a pair of tools, I beat. Oh, no, I thought you were bluffing. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, me too. You oh, betcha. no, I lost my ticket home. Oh, no. Well, so long to you. I'm on my way to America and... You're not. Oh, well, uh, well, maybe fate meant for me not to be on that ship. Just like she meant for me to go to France and flunk out of Escargot College. <laughs> attention, attention, riffraff. The RMS Titanic is seeking an Escargot ship. Hey? Is there anyone here who qualifies for that position? Well, fate walks in. Uh, I, I, I'm an Escargot chef over here. You? What are your qualifications? Ah, uh, do you read French? No. Well, in that case, here's my qualifications right here. It's a uh, uh, diploma from the cold escargo. See for yourself. Let's have a look. This is in French. I told you I don't read French. What's this part here mean? Escargo detesté horriblement impoisoner. Well, well, uh, 
and that loosely translated says I'm the finest escargot chef west of the Pecos. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> you have the job. Follow me. Oh, boy, I'm going home to America. <laughs> a short while later, while a classical and refined accordion orchestra plays a lively tune, seven tugs pull the 11-story tall Titanic II away from the dock. And not long after that, Captain Drywall gives his first order. Oh, Mr. Hold my first order. Oh, yeah. All ahead full, Mr. Murdoch. All ahead full. Aye, aye, sir. Below decks, crewmen scramble to adjust valves in the engine room and the four-story tall twin reciprocating engines thunder to life. Underwater, three massive bronze screws begin to churn. Above, black smoke pours from four massive funnels. Titanic 2 is underway. Meanwhile... First class cabin C six 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 because the plot demands an evil man. <laughs> hey, Charlie, Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, our scam worked. Yeah. Look what the steward just gave me. What's that, Slocum? Well, it's an invitation to dine at the captain's table tomorrow night. Ah, oh, they think we're big shots, huh? <laughs> they think we're Lord Slocum and Lord Charlie. <laughs> Right. Yeah, by the way, a lord's come from England, Charlie. Yeah. Say, you've been practicing your English accent like I told you to? Bloody cheerio, old chap. <laughs> Union Jack, Queen Mother. <laughs> Listen, try to leave most of talking to me, okay? Okay. All right, now tonight, when nobody's looking, you're going to sneak up on the bridge, see? And attack this little... Sta- attach, what I mean. Don't attack it, you would attach it. Yeah. This little silicon directional magnetic chip to the ship's satellite dish. Uh, why I got to do that, boss? Well, because... Because after we steal the goods, we're going to escape in one of the lifeboats. <laughs> Once this little chip is on their dish, I can use my laptop directional finder to tap into Titanic 2's global positioning system. <laughs> that way I know which direction to go to get to land. Right. <laughs> While the plot thickens on Titanic 2's first class deck, in the galley below, it's about to come to a boil for a certain escargot chef. Yeah, you. Let's have a taste of your escort. Uh, all right, here you go. Looks good, don't it? Uh, Look disgusting. Well, presentation's everything. The proof is in the tasting. Let's uh, see it. There you go. Uh, uh, try to poison uh, me. Uh, uh, Get him, last. Oh, no, let go of me. Why, you... Uh, 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 what do you want us to do with him? Uh, Take him topside and hang him upside down from the yard. No, no, no. All right, sir. Late that evening, the massive ship has sailed far out onto the high seas, and except for a geezer swinging feet first from the yard arm, all is well. In the billionaire suite, Rose Mouseketeer sits at her dressing table and combs her long red hair. Cal stands in the doorway admiring her. Rose, I know you've been somewhat distant lately, and I don't pretend to have a clue as to why. Here's a clue for you, Cal. I can't stand you, and I hate my life. That would be two clues, sweet pea. Those aren't clues. Those are just silly female emotions. Here's a clue for you. A little reminder of how rich I am and how you will be when we're married. (gasps) Cal, is it a... Yes, a diamond. Yes, it is. Ten thousand carats. (gasps) It's huge. Let me fasten it around your neck. It weighs a ton. (laughs) That's because it's the largest diamond in the world, sweet pea. It's called the Cœur de Mal de Mer, which means... Seasickness? Well, that, that's the literal translation, yes. That explains its sickly green color. It's not how it looks that matters, sweet pea. It's how much it costs. It's breaking my neck. I've got to get it off. Oh, here, take it. 
I'll put it in the safe. I've got to get some air. Sweet pea, where are you going? As Titanic 2 continues to plow through the deep oceanic night, a disheveled, well-dressed, beautiful woman runs to the poop deck and leans against the stern railing. Oh, starlight, starlight. I feel as though I'm standing on a great precipice with no one to pull me back. No one who even cares or notices. I notice. Who's there? Where are you? I'm up here. I'm hanging upside down from the yard arm. Why are you up there? Well, I ain't sure. I think I used too much saltpeter in NASCAR gold. I'm sorry? Let's just say I've had better days. Oh, me too. My life is so empty, so barren, so bleak. Well, that's too bad. Say, I could use a little help getting down. But I should be happy. I mean, I'm engaged to a fulsomely rich man who's what? such an unfeeling pig. Well, some men are like that. Say, the blood's kind of going to my head here. Could you? Sometimes I feel like the blood is rushing to my head, too. Yeah, because my feet are turning black up here. I get... Could you oh. give me a hand? Oh, I... forgive me. How rude of me. Here, take my hand. Oh, now you're talking. Uh... Pleased to meet you, I'm sure, Ambrosette. Annette, Mouseketeer. Well, uh, blessed Julia child woman, forget the formal introductions. I'm side meat. Now can you get me down? Oh. And what's all this, sweet pea? Is this man bothering you? Oh. Cal, I'd like you to meet Mr. Side Meat. Oh, no more introductions, please. Meat. Oh. Mm, meat. Are you with the Boston Meats? No, I'm with the USDA meat. Oh. How droll. Oh. Come, Cal, help me get him down. Yes, get All me right. Down. Oh. The rope holding him up is tied off in that billy bowl over oh. there. I'll... I'll go loosen it. Listen, I appreciate that very much. Oh. Be still, you, while hey. I loosen this rope. Oh. There, you're free to fall now. Oh, look out, Rose! Oh, oh. my balance, I'm going overboard! Rose, I forbid it. Give me your hand, Rosie. Gotcha. Oh, you're okay now. I won't so. let you go. Are you okay? I think so. Oh. Thank you, side meat. Oh. Come on, Rose, let's get you inside. You must be freezing. Cal, he saved my life. Oh. Actually, sweet pea, nearly got you killed. But all right, your old timer, here's twenty dollars. Is say, that the going right? rate for saving the woman you love? Yeah. Rose is displeased. What should I do? I know. Side meat, why don't you join us for dinner tomorrow night? You can oh. regale us then with your heroic tale of how you got strung from the yard arm by your feet. Well, uh, sure, count me in. Uh, it's a pretty good story. It started when I put salt peter in the Save it cargo. For tomorrow. Uh, huh? Come on. The night and the sea deep in his Titanic too cleaves through the dark North Atlantic in the inky oceanic blackness. No one notices a hulking doofus creep onto the bridge and trip over a halyard. Oh, oh, bloody Cheerios. Oh. Let's see. There's that satellite dish, and I'll just stick this magnetic chip to it. Wow. <laughs> That's a strong little sucker. Okay, let's see. I'll get out of here just as quiet as a mouse. Where's that ladder? There it is over there. The rest of the first night of Titanic II's maiden voyage passes uneventfully. Well, except for the fact that the magnet Charlie placed on the ship's satellite dish causes the ship's global positioning system to make a slight course correction. Something that is noticed right away by First Officer Murdoch the very next morning. You want to? Well, you might you might want to consider a sweet change of course, sir. Sir? I'm saying, sir, Captain, that that air computer, in its wisdom, has changed our course. If we maintain it, Captain, we're liable to end up in Florida. Look here, Halls. Are you trying to say that the Statue of Liberty is in sight and we should prepare for docking? No. No, sir, I'm not. 
Well, then all I have to say is, all ahead full. Aye, aye, sir. Well, as faithful listeners will recall, Captain Drywall is only obeying orders. Soon as dinner time, Cal, Rose, and Sidemeat enter the Grand Dining Saloon. And as they approach the captain's table, the captain recognizes an old friend. Side meat. Drywall? That's with us. <laughs> oh, I guess it's all right if, if he's with you, Mr. Proctor. It's Gamble. Oh. Oh. There's her, Lord Slocum and Lord Charlie over there. How do you do? Bloody Cheerios. <laughs> Lord Slocum and Lord Charlie? Right. You look like two sidewinders I used to know back in Tumbleweed Valley. Uh, you must be mistaken us for some American cousins, uh, blokes. That must be it, Lord Slocum, because y'all can't be the Slocum and Charlie from Tumbleweed Valley. They, they don't have uh, English accents like that. Right-o, old Beano. <laughs> so, Meek, what brings you to the captain's table? I mean, based on the way you look, you're not exactly a first-class passenger like Lord Me and Lord Charlie, yeah? <laughs> well, I'm here because because life is what you make of it, Lord Slocum. Yesterday, I got kicked out of escargot school for using dead snails. Lost my ticket home in a poker game and got hung from the yard arm. Tonight... Here I am on the grandest ship in the world, having champagne with you fine folks. Here, here. Here, here. Right out, chaps. And a big pip, pip. Did we eat yet? Well, they hadn't, of course, but they do, and it's good. After dinner, side meat and Rose slip away. Oh, come on, Rosie. That accordion player is too classic and refined. Let's go have some real fun. I shouldn't, but I will. Meanwhile, the captain's lords and millionaires retired to the club room to drink brandy and congratulate each other on being masters of the universe. Yes, we're big shots, all right. <laughs> Say, Cal, <laughs> rumor has it that you recently purchased La Coromel de Mer. Well, what does that mean? I think it means the heart of seasickness. <laughs> well, that's the literal translation, yes. I guess a diamond like that's worth about a million bucks, huh? <laughs> Fifty million would be more like it. <laughs> wow. I suppose you'd keep a treasure like that in the ship's safe? I travel with my own safe, and I keep it in my stateroom. Oh, do tell. That's prudent thinking, right, Lord Charlie? Right-o. <laughs> <laughs> While the upper crust danced to the refined accordion orchestra in the grand ballroom, below decks and steerage, where the middle class is confined, there's serious talk about insurance and mortgages, while a fiddle, guitar, and harmonica play a lively jig. Come on, Rosie, I'll teach you the sidekick jig. It goes like this. I found my way to old Skagway in the year of 93. To pan for gold in those days of old, just my old mule and me. Life was a pearl on top of the world. I never felt so darn big. But they screamed in shame and cursed my name when I danced the sidekick jig. Oh, toolery, oolery, high from doolery, higgledy, piggledy, zing. In that savage land, they could not stand the awful sidekick jig. Come on, Rose. There you got it, girl. Talk about your dirty dancing. The decadence goes on into the night. But meanwhile, at the National Weather Center, a startling satellite image has just come in. Perry, this is unbelievable. What is it, Paul? A B-10B, that iceberg from Antarctica. It's crossed the Tropic of Capricorn. Well, that's that's actually good. It's, it's in the tropics. That should make short work of melting it. Well, maybe, but Perry, according to this computer model, it, it's still nearly a million tons of ice. Right you are. Issue a watch. Effective as far north as the 30th parallel. You know, if, if B-10B makes it another 23 degrees, it'll hit the equator, equatorial... The equ- <laughs> that's easy for you to say. 
It's and that big stream of warm water that flows past the equator. Yes, yes, it is. And if it does that in about three days, Florida could see its first iceberg. Will Florida see its first iceberg? A side meet found romance. Will Captain Drywall set a new speed record? To find out, join us next week, same time, same station, for Titanic 2 Part 2 entitled The Fatal Drink. It's deep, dry, droll melodrama coming only to this theater of the mind. This is the X-Star Radio Network. <laughs>